Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Luke Chow, who is the founder of the Morpheus Clinic for Hypnosis. Luke, how you doing? Good. Thank you, Timothy, for having me on. Of course. Thanks for coming on, man. And we'd like to jump right in. So if you start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Sure. Well, I guess I'll start personally for fun. During the pandemic, obviously, we've all been forced to be indoors more than we'd like. I am kind of an introvert, so I like to hang with my cat. I read a lot of philosophy, so I'm a big reader. And because I'm a hypnotherapist, I'm kind of in the business of communicating worldviews and perspectives that will help people when they hear them. And there is a long history of philosophical thought that's more about how to live a good life than it is about, you know, academic philosophy, like logic and, and so on. So I like to read. I read nonfiction. I read a lot of, a lot of philosophy, a lot of psychology. Um, I've got a wonderful cat named Robot, and he's kept me company during the past couple of years. Um, and uh, I, I'm a gamer as well. I, I like to play video games. Primarily, it's narrative-driven um, Western RPGs. So if there's no story, I can't finish the game. If it's people shooting at me all the time, I can't finish the game. I play games to relax, right? I I play games to escape. I mean, on on a big screen, I can pretend there's no pandemic. I can pretend I'm in medieval Europe or in outer space. So yeah, that's that's how I've been keeping keeping busy, um, at least after work. Love it. And so you said you play midwestern rpgs uh, sorry what western western rpgs as opposed to japanese rpgs so japanese rpgs would be like final fantasy like many of the square enix games western rpgs are like fallout mass effect um uh, the witcher series and yeah other games in that genre where do you stand on elder scrolls I, I love Elder Scrolls. I haven't actually finished any Elder Scrolls game um, because there are so many side quests and so many factions to join that I'll start and I'll get sidetracked and that I never actually finish the main quest line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it happens, right? It's not just me. No, absolutely. I completely. Well, I think it's awesome that you're a gamer. Tell us a little bit more about what it looks like day to day with the Morpheus Clinic for hypnosis. Yeah, well, I've had this practice for, at this point, over 15 years. So I'm sitting at the office right now. Um, I guess I'll tell you a little bit about the backstory um, in in a bit. But day to day, um, usually I'll show up late morning. um, And typically I'll see maybe three or four clients. They'll present to me their latest concerns or issues. I'll suggest ways to think so that they are in their situations, we acknowledge the situation they're in, yet their attitudes will be more conducive to finding a way out. Because, you know, the the attitude you take to whatever situation you're in, so quitting smoking or starting a business or 
um, embarking upon a weight loss or exercise program, the attitude you take makes a huge difference as to the quality of your life and your chances of success. So, you know, quitting smoking or weight loss is what it is physically in many ways. But where a hypnotherapist will work is to kind of examine the client's thinking and also to look at ideal, healthy, confident thinking, and then to fill in the gaps in the client's thinking where there could be some gaps to, to, to be filled. So yeah, I'll, I'll do that <clears throat> typically for maybe three or four clients a day. Um, usually we will have also done intakes with a couple of clients, which means I'll be writing treatment plans for clients. Um, and, uh, you know, being a small business owner means I'm also the IT department. I'm also the HR department. I'm also the marketing department. I'm also the tax and finance guy. So where I can find some time um, in between my clients, I'll do all the random miscellaneous tasks involved in running a business. There we go. Gotcha. And your treatment plans, is it typically you prescribing medicine or is it more like cognitive behavioral stuff no n neither well i guess it's more cognitive behavioral than medicine but it's not cbt so um i'll give you and your listeners a bit more of a rundown of how hypnosis works essentially hypnosis properly is a state of mind that makes it easier to adopt new ideas so when you see people with their eyes closed, relaxed, just soaking in what the hypnotist is saying, they've opened their minds to the ideas being communicated by the hypnotist. Almost like a kid sitting at the feet of a storyteller in that they're going to listen and they're going to absorb and they're probably going to benefit if it's a good story with good lessons contained inside it. But you don't have to be a kid. You can be an adult. You could be 80 years old and still be able to open your mind and feel like a kid and soak in good ideas. But I know that one person's um, conception of a good idea is not necessarily somebody else's conception of a good idea. So I don't want to just like give people a worldview and surprise them with what I'm going to say. Um, before working with a client, I'll take some time after hearing them out and I'll write out a list of perspectives or attitudes that I think will help them in their situation. They'll be able to read in writing what I'm going to communicate through hypnotherapy. They'll approve of it and then I'll work with them. So that there is no medication to be prescribed. It's also not cognitive behavioral therapy because I am just straight up giving the client some helpful ways of thinking. It's uniquely um, a very directive practice where I'm straight up telling people what to think. And th that's why I read so much philosophy. Um, you know, there is a long tradition of clear, helpful thinking that 2,000 years ago and today and in the future will help us human beings cope with the ups and downs of life. I love that. <laughs> I think that is so cool. And so give us a little bit more of the backstory before I ask my next question. Sure. Um, so I was an English major in university. And famously, people who study literature don't have any obvious career path. There's the old joke that, you know, you learn how to say, would you like fries with that? Um, but, I, you know, I, I kind of studied literature and storytelling and poetry and, and so on. 
and I didn't really want to teach. I tried a number of odd jobs. And if you've interviewed many entrepreneurs, which I believe you have, you know that the, entre the entrepreneurial mindset is not the same as an employee's mindset. I'm not a good employee. I'm a better entrepreneur. I'd rather do things my way, and good things tend to happen when things are done my way, and then I'll hire people to implement my plans rather than being hired to implement someone else's business plan and mission. So um, after university, um, I worked a number of odd jobs, and it was actually a 10-day meditation retreat, a silent retreat that I had attended in 2006. That um, was the, the, the direct impetus for me to open up my practice. So in August 2006, um, I went to a Vipassana meditation retreat. And it's 10 days where you kind of live like a monk. So you, you don't speak, you don't look your roommate in the eye. You um, don't uh, look at your cell phone. You don't bring books. All you do is you eat vegetarian food and you meditate all day long. And there are some meditation lessons during the day. Um, so I came back from that much more fearless than when I went. And I came back with a much clearer head. Because if you're always reading or watching television or scrolling through social media, then you can't be alone with your own thoughts. You just consume other people's thoughts. But when you've meditated for 10 days straight and you're actually not allowed even to look at your cell phone, this was 2006, so cell phones were not as flashy, but still, then you get to be with your own thoughts and your own best thoughts and your own ideals and your own values. So that's kind of what I left the meditation retreat with. And it was very clear to me that the, the hypnosis practitioners in Toronto, where I practice, um, they're human beings like me. And they come from diverse backgrounds, but none of them has any secret sauce. None of them have anything that I don't have myself. All of them just decided at an earlier stage in their life to open an office after getting the right certifications and training and then start um, getting clients. And that's how they built their businesses. So I decided that's what I would do for myself as well. So I came back and um, September 1st, 2006, um, so basically the month after I came back from the retreat, I signed the rental agreement for literally this office, and that was 15 and a half years ago, and I'm still here. So over these years, it grew from just myself to um, myself, and um, I would have some students I've trained do some volunteer work. Um, I would also have um, sometimes associate hypnotherapists working with some clients who I don't um, uh, have the time to onboard for my calendar, and I've um, I have uh, at least a full time um, assistant, or um, sometimes a full time and a part time coordinator to help around the office. So it's it's a small business, um, but for you know, considering how lost I was in my twenties, um, and you know, I bounced from job to job, not really happy with what the world had to offer. Today, I'm pretty happy with 
the outcome of having signed the rental agreement for this office 15 and a half years ago. If you asked me at the age of 23, if I would still be hypnotizing people for a living and talking about it worldwide, I would not have believed you, but that's actually real life for me right now. So yeah, that's, that's the backstory. That is phenomenal. And I love to hear it. Awesome. Well, Luke, I want to ask my follow-up question now, kind of back to your treatment plans. Um, something I've been struggling with is uh, self-confidence. Not really confidence, but kind of like more like appreciation, loving myself. Like I've noticed that as much as I read success literature, as much as I know the power of thoughts, the power of those affirmations and stuff, my mm -hmm. default it's just very negative and very yep. like, I'm always beating myself up, hating on myself. Yep. And um, I assume this is something you ran, ran into a decent amount because- Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> it's actually, I think, more common than not, at least among people who walk through the door here. Obviously, there are happy, secure, confident people, but they tend not to go out of their way and pay someone to um, uh, fill their head with different ideas. And much of what I think I'm doing is I'm communicating to my clients what happy, successful, confident, secure people heard at a young age from a parent or a teacher or a coach. Because some people are lucky enough that at a young age they've heard, you can do what you set your mind to. And if you make mistakes along the way, it's not a huge deal. And your worth doesn't depend on whether other people recognize it. If, if you love yourself in your heart, that's good enough. Like some people grow up hearing these kinds of messages and they have a huge head start because they have just a, a, a good, healthy worldview to approach life with from a young age. But all the rest of us, which is most of us, I think, we didn't hear enough of those kinds of messages. And instead we heard messages like that. Our worth depends on what we can produce for others. Or um, we should choose a, practic a practical career and give up on our dreams. Or we'll hear things like that. Well, the experts know better than you. Um, and, you know, the, 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 earlier I talked about how the attitudes you take make a really big difference as to the quality of your life and um, whether you achieve your goals. So a lot of what I do is I kind of give people the kinds of messages that um, have them thinking like a confident, happy, secure person. And some people reach confidence and happiness and security because they had a really good upbringing. Others seek out therapy as an adult. Others seek out a hypnotherapist as an adult. Others will have just good influences or, or they'll, maybe they did read more books or they'll, they'll read different books and they'll kind of soak in good ideas as adults. So for someone like you, um, if I were to write a plan just based on the very tiny bit of information I've heard, one message is that your inner critic is not a truth teller. You've been treating your inner critic like it's telling you the truth and it's not. So if there was like a movie critic or a, like a book critic who only gives one star reviews, regardless of what the book is, it, they only give one star reviews, you wouldn't care what they have to say because you know their opinion doesn't, 
it's not worth anything unless they can also recognize when something's good, when something's beautiful, when something's life-affirming. So the inner critic only gives one-star reviews. It doesn't have opinions worth caring about, but your own kinder thoughts. The thoughts that sound like what you would say to someone you're interviewing or what you would say to a friend or what you would say to a partner, your kinder thoughts can actually correct you if you need correcting, right? So your kinder thoughts can give you one-star reviews very, very nicely. And your kinder thoughts can also recognize when you're on a good path and when you should keep doing what you're doing. Just like if, if you encourage a friend um, and you correct them gently if they make mistakes, but, or a child, and you, know, you, you encourage them for the most part with praise and positivity and rarely criticize. Well, you're not spoiling them, right? You're not turning them unkind or narcissistic or arrogant. It's actually how you just treat people where you, you know, you'll, you'll recognize the good and you don't have to make a huge deal out of mistakes that people make. So the same principles apply to you and your inner world and how you talk to yourself inside your inner world, where it's okay to give yourself much more encouragement and praise, like a professional athlete, right? You know, you've got this, you can do this. It's much, you know, it's much better to, to give yourself those kinds of thoughts than to self-criticize because if you know i've worked with with athletes usually not on the professional level but if it gets in their head that they've messed up then it ruins the rest of the game right but you know if they keep their eye on the ball and they keep telling themselves they can succeed or score then their mind's in the right place and it's not, you know, it's not just positive thinking. It's, 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 there's such a thing as a self-fulfilling prophecy where if you think you can, then you do the kinds of things leading to success, whether or not you end up being successful, at least you put in the effort because you think you can. But if you think you can't, then often you just kind of don't, don't even begin. Um, another point I might write into a plan for, for a case like yours is that um, first of all, it's not just human beings, but um, even trees and cats and dogs and, and birds, all life has worth, right? You treat a bird differently than um, like a laptop computer, right? You'll regard a bird with more love and affection than a laptop computer, right? Absolutely because we recognize the value in life so th that's a foundation if you treat yourself like your worth depends on your performance like your laptop computer you're treating yourself worse than a random pigeon who lands in front of you so all life has intrinsic worth but beyond that as a human being you are a member of the most adaptable intelligent creative species on the planet and as a human being, you have certain entitlements that we, we don't really give to animals. So, you know, like if there's a burning building, the firefighters are going to save you and not yep. a cat or dog before you. So the, 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 the world at large, for the most part, will kind of treat you as alive and human, 
right? You'll see it when your neighbor waves at you. You'll see it when the cashier smiles at you. You'll see it when your friends recognize you and they say hello. Um, and they're recognizing you correctly. But often the thoughts we hold in our heads and hearts are objectifying and dehumanizing. Yeah. Right? Because like we will tell ourselves, you know, I can't believe you, you did that. You know, you can't get everything, anything right. You're, you know, we, we beat ourselves up like that. But, you know, if we're decent people, we never say it to others. Right? Yeah. So um, one message I give to all of my clients, almost all of my clients, is that it's unhypocritical to uphold one single standard for how you treat a person. So if you treat yourself like a buddy, it's unhypocritical. If you treat yourself with the same love you would treat a mem another member of your family, it's unhypocritical. You had to uphold double standards to beat yourself up, but be kind to others. So just one last point to round out a plan, at least an initial treatment plan for just the little bit of information you shared. Um, it, it's that love and happiness and kindness are something that your own heart generates. So when you feel it for yourself, you're adding to the love and the happiness in the universe. It, yeah. It's a false idea that, you know, if you have love, you're taking it from the universe and depriving other people of love. It's a more accurate model of, of how emotions work if you see your own inner world as giving you the good feelings when you're thinking certain thoughts, which means that you're generating your own good feelings and you aren't taking from anyone. And if anything, you're adding to the total net amount of happiness or love or kindness that's in the universe. So it makes it practically a moral obligation to be kind toward yourself or else you're adding to the suffering that's in the universe. You know, often people exclude themselves, but you, you know, you count. You're a person. Yeah, there we go. I love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely need to hear it. And I know a lot of people listening needed to hear it. So thank you. You're welcome. It's, it's why I, I've been doing interviews like this. It's because I know so many things I say individually to paying clients will benefit much wider audiences. And people don't actually have to be hypnotized to benefit from good ideas. I mean, philosophers have come up with good ideas and put them into books that have helped people for thousands of years. Um, you know, e even like social media, sometimes you'll, you'll come across someone speaking from the heart and it's going to affect you even though you're not hypnotized. Even though I'm a hypnotist, that's just kind of how I make money in the world. Um, so I can keep thinking, I can keep philosophizing, I can keep trying to figure out how does a person live their best life. Um, but it is the ideas being communicated that are the most important thing. The, the, the medium is not actually as important as the ideas being communicated. Yeah, absolutely. There we go. Well, awesome. Let's, um, let's go ahead and jump in. I guess we heard a little bit about your motivation right there, but if you want to kind of recap it for us, what gets you up and get, keeps you going every day? Well, um, earlier in, in, in my life, I often felt kind of helpless. I would see people around me would be 
unhappy, they'll be suffering, they'll be miserable. And when I was only a child, I couldn't really do much about it. Today, I can do something about it. Today, I can show up to work and see my clients that day. I can write my best thoughts into treatment plans. I can do a podcast like, like this. I can do an interview like this and share my ideas more broadly. When I'm thinking and I'm communicating, I'm adding to, to the world. So what gets me out of bed, I, I, I think, is um, the, 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 the fact that I, I am saying things that are not said enough. Right. The, the fact that I can make the points I make and you are nodding along and it's probably affecting you. Like you're not thinking, oh, I've heard that a million times. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that means the world needs someone to say these things in public because I can only see so many clients in every day. And since not enough people are saying it, I've decided at least for now, it's going to be me. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Well, awesome. Let's jump into your dreams and goals real quick. What's your vision for your company and your life? Yeah. Well, um, my company, I, well, it's kind of gone through a number of different stages. And I think the big transition right now is a movement away from one-to-one work and toward one-to-many. So, for example, me coming to this podcast means I can speak once and then maybe a few hundred or a thousand or even more people will listen to it and benefit from me speaking once. And I think that's how I'm going to end up reaching a bigger audience. So where I think I'm going with, with, with my business is to take the ideas I've kind of been refining individually with clients and to spread them worldwide, or at least to the English-speaking world, on a much larger scale. And personally, I think at some point I'm going to end up being a digital nomad, where I'll have a really good microphone, and I'll choose hotels with good Wi-Fi, so I can still kind of do my online sessions, and I can still write my treatment plans. But on the other hand, I'm also kind of taking care of myself and making sure I'm in a really good mood so I can be um, the best thinker that I can. Um, I mean, when it comes to knowledge work, when it comes to someone who thinks for a living, it's important that one is well-rested, that one's gotten enough vacations, that one is feeding himself properly, and that, that they're not stressing too much unnecessarily because if your mind is the tool that produces the work that you do, you've got to take care of your mind because we're human beings, but we're not robots or machines. We yeah. you know, need the good things in life as well. And uh, yeah, so I, I think eventually I, I can kind of see myself being a digital nomad. I mentioned my cat has been wonderful to me. And I think, you know, it's going to be in five years or 10 years, or, you know, if I'm lucky, maybe 15 years when he passes, Th- that I, I think is when I'm going to be kind of untethered from Toronto and I'll be able to kind of travel more freely. Gotcha. Gotcha. There we go. So moving your business towards one to many work, ending up being a digital nomad, continuing your business, but also taking care of yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Well, if there were one or two people that you could meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person, they would really help you take the next step towards moving your business towards a one-to-many kind of type of work, who would they be 
and how would they help you? For sure, it's Tony Robbins. And I actually looked at some of your prior interviews. I know someone else had said Tony Robbins, but it's because he's, you know, he's, he's not known as a hypnotist, but that's kind of what he does. Yeah. Um, he's in the business of spreading high quality thoughts for higher quality living. And he does it through motivational speaking, but he also has a background in NLP, which is largely derived from Ericksonian hypnosis, which is an offshoot of more directive forms of hypnotherapy. So there's kind of a lineage from, from hypnosis down to Tony Robbins. Um, but I see him as a hypnotist who made it big. And, you know, I understand he charges a lot of money for one-on-one -on -one work. So most of the work he does is one-to-many through seminars, through courses, through books. And he can actually reach a lot more people that way. And one thing I've come to realize as my career has progressed is that people are more similar than different. So, you know, earlier when you told me a tiny bit about yourself and then I went on for like five minutes or yep. maybe even more, um, it's not because I know you individually that well. It's that I have kind of realized that human beings are more similar than different. We have the same set of needs and we suffer in similar ways if we are deprived of those needs. So when you tell yourself that you're very negative and hard on yourself, I'm pretty sure I know what thoughts or ideas I need to communicate to you that would benefit you. And also one thing I said is you're hardly the only one with such ways of thinking. So I, 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 I know that you know the one-to-many communication where I speak once and I reach a hundred or a thousand or a million people, that it's going to benefit them. Because yeah. just like Tony Robbins can speak to a thousand people and someone's going to get something from it. I know that you know ideas like being a buddy to yourself, ideas like um, being unhypocritical and how deeply you love yourself too. Those are universal human um, uh, ways of thinking. They're universally beneficial. I don't think there's a single person on the planet who benefits from more negativity than positivity. I think we universally suffer under negativity. We universally benefit if we are encouraged by um, recognition of the good things that we do. So yeah, definitely it'll be Tony Robbins. There we go, Tony Robbins. Do you ever go to uh, any of his live seminars? I've, I've been to a couple, I believe, um, but, but both in Toronto, um, not a full weekend, um, but I, I have been to some of his seminars. He, he does have a great presence. Um, he does have a great voice. He, I think he overuses it sometimes. You can kind of hear the raspiness in his voice. One of the dangers of talking for a living is that if you don't take good care of your voice, you end up unfortunately sometimes losing it. Um, but, but yes, um, I, I have seen him live and, uh, he's an inspiration. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, awesome. Name the most important one or two things that everyday people can do to really help you either meet Tony Robbins or move your business towards that one to many work. Yeah. Well, tuning into a podcast like this is a pretty good step. So, you know, listening to me talk about my background and, 
my life and my motivations and my goals, that's a pretty good step. Um, and you know, th there are other resources where you could learn not just about me, but about the work done in the hypnotherapy world at large. Um, one thing that I think people could kind of do for themselves to spread good ideas is to make sure that in the time you have each day to fill your head with good ideas wherever you hear them. Maybe there's one friend who's always got something important to say or something insightful to say. Maybe it's there's someone on Instagram who posts the best quotes. Maybe there's a podcast like this one where people tell their stories. But, you know, we're so bombarded with messages telling us to fear, telling us to consume, telling us that our worth isn't something we have unless we purchase something, that I think it's important that ju just to counterbalance such messaging to intentionally give ourselves doses of positivity or doses of validation or, or encouragement. For, for me, it's music. Um, I, you know, well, I read lots of philosophy, I read lots of books, um, but also um, if there's one thing that directly touches my heart as quickly as possible, it's good music. And, you know, a five or even three minute song can really do a lot for my mood. So I make sure to give myself enough music every day. I love that. There we go. I actually haven't heard that, but I recently heard somebody talk about sound healing. And it's one of those things where I was skeptical because, you know, it can be really woo-woo. Sound healing, law of attraction, manifestation, all that stuff mm -hmm. can get kind of out there like, oh, that's so far removed from me. But then, you know, you, th you think about music. It's like that's sound healing, like boosting yep. your mood. You think about like she brought up the example screaming when you um, are scared. And it's like a release of that energy. I was like, wow. Well, I, I would even go so far as to suggest that having music in your life fulfills a need. That music is not a luxury. It's not a nice to have. If we're going to create conditions for a human being to thrive and be happy, music has to be part of the mix. It's actually all those subjects in elementary school we often forget about, like music and art and you know, like, like nature. They're important, not just for kids, but also for adults. Yeah. And people who don't have enough or who don't have the time to listen to music, um, you know, my, my impression is often they're unnecessarily stressed. And people who listen to music have that ongoing positive influence that affects their mood for the better. And, you know, to extend beyond music, it's, it's also, you know, books, art, movies, anything where someone searched their soul and expressed it to help all the rest of us non-musicians and non-artists and non-filmmakers feel like our humanity is validated. Yeah. I love that. That's such a good perspective on it, actually. Um, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, awesome. Let's jump into our thriving three now. First question is, what's your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. Yeah, um, probably the one book that I think everyone should read and that I will revisit once in a while 
is a book called Language in Thought and Action by S.I. Hayakawa. It's not too, too popular, but it's not too obscure either. It's in its fifth edition. And it was written originally, I think, in the late 1940s. And when you read the description, it's going to say it's a book about semantics. But here's how I'm going to describe it, um, because semantics sounds much more boring than the book actually is. Um, it's about how language is used and abused. Because I try to use language to communicate clearly my authentic thoughts. But not everyone uses language to communicate clearly their authentic thoughts. Sometimes people use language to deceive and to lie and to manipulate. And this book, Language and Thought in Action, is about how language is used and misused. So um, I don't know if you're familiar with this, the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis, or if your listeners aren't. Um, it's the hypothesis that... Um, Language shapes our thoughts because in our head we kind of think in words. Um, if there's no word for it, then it's hard or some might say impossible to think it. Yeah. So um, if this is true, if, 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 if language shapes our thoughts, then to have clear thinking we also need to be clear about language. And that's why this is often described as a book about semantics, but that's not as boring as it sounds. It's actually about how language is used and abused. When you yeah. read it, you'll be less susceptible to manipulation because it's about clarifying language. That sounds like a really important book for people to it read. Is, which is why I recommend it wholeheartedly. And I think everyone should read it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Something that is very interesting with language shaping our thoughts. I can't remember if this was in high school or middle school, but I learned about a culture that had like nine to 10 different words for snow. And because they had nine to 10 different words for snow, maybe it was a different number, but they had a lot of different words for snow. They could differentiate between types of snow where we would just classify it as snow. And they'd be like, no, this is this type of snow used for this type of thing, which was really yes. cool. Yeah, absolutely. And each profession has its own jargon and specialized language that outsiders don't really understand because professions have to be able to speak with a high level of nuance and a high level of specificity. So, you know, you want to hear your doctor using medical terminology. You want to hear your lawyer using like legalese. Because those speak to other doctors or lawyers, and they'll have that common language to communicate in. So yes, absolutely. Awesome. Well, what is one way you like to take care of yourself? Yeah, well, it's probably what I'm going to do after this call is over. I'm usually at the end of every night before I go home. Um, I'll find a nice restaurant or, you know, not like a, um, a super nice restaurant, a, nice, a restaurant with booths so that I'm kind of isolated from clutter, so like a diner. So I'll go to the booth, I'll put on my noise-canceling headphones, and I'll listen to music, I'll eat food that someone else has cooked, I'll drink a beer, and at the end of it, I pay my 25 bucks or whatever, and someone takes the dishes away, and then I'm ready for the rest of my evening, where that kind of ritual of, you know, tuning into good music 
being with my own thoughts, not having to do any work, just pointing at a menu and saying, I'd like this, please. That That's how I take care of myself at the end of especially a long work day. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's awesome. Just spending some time with yourself, eating good food and not having to do dishes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. There we go. Well, what is one action step that you could take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to either A, meet Tony Robbins or B, get your business moving towards that one to many work? Yeah, well, I, I think that if I'm successful in my, in my business goals, Tony Robbins will hear about me and want to meet me as well, or we're just going to end up at the same conference or, or the same party or, or the same fundraiser or, or the same event. So it's kind of like, you know, what I'm doing might end up leading to both goals. Um, but it, it is to um, keep um, appearing on podcasts like this one to help to spread good ideas and to help people realize that um, you know that th their thoughts aren't necessarily reality. Often your thoughts feel like reality, but other people might be in exactly the same situation as you with different thoughts. And as long as there's someone else in a similar situation with different thoughts that are more empowering or more inspiring or more reassuring, then you can kind of borrow from someone else's thinking to improve your own um, uh, quality of life. So, um, sorry, the, the, the question was, what, what could listener or what could the average person do to, to help? Um, so yeah, it, it's to kind of um, uh, keep exposing yourself to good ideas, to quality thinking, to, good podcasts like this one to books about philosophy where for thousands of years, there's a reason the books are still in print. Um, a hypnotherapist is a professional who will kind of just straight up tell you, think this to be happier. Um, but it's hardly just hypnotherapists like myself who have good ideas worth sharing. Um, so yeah, to, to, to help me fulfill my goals, um, I, I would say I'd be very, very pleased if people um, decided to take up it upon themselves to separate their thoughts from, from, from fact and to seek out influences to um, improve their own thinking. Yeah, there we go. Well, awesome. We have one last question for you. <clears throat> it's going to require a bit of pretext. So you know how there are people on the planet who walk around with that really fixed mindset, not willing to accept help, not willing to accept change. Sometimes they'll live their whole life like that. Sometimes they'll die like that, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Other times they'll make that switch to more of a growth mindset, willing to accept help and willing to accept change. In your opinion, what is the catalyst that causes that change? That's a very interesting question. And it wasn't on your list of questions you had sent in advance. <laughs> so I've got to think about it a, a little bit. Um, like I, like I, I, I appreciate that, you know, that um, the conversation evolves. Um, so you've identified like the fixed mindset where people treat themselves almost like they come out of the factory at the age of 18 and that's the way they are and there's no adaptation or growth. And there's also the growth mindset 
where for a lifetime, until, until you kick the bucket, you're learning, you're thriving, you're adapting, you're growing. And obviously, people with a growth mindset tend to become more successful. They tend to have better relationships. They tend to be happier because learning, learning doesn't stop at 18 or 25. I mean, imagine if your worldview got, got set in, in, the 19, in the 1950s and didn't update in the 21st century. You'd be a dinosaur. No one would like you. So, um, so the, the catalyst for, for change, it's hard for me to, 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 to come up with an answer, mainly because I think everyone walking in my door has a growth mindset. If they believe they couldn't change, they're not going to plop the money down for someone to change their mindset. If they believe things are the way they are and they're set in their views, then they're just never going to call an office like this. They're never going to show up. Sometimes we do get calls on behalf of a spouse or on behalf of a parent or on behalf of an adult child. And we, we have to tell them, well, you know, if they're over 18, they have to call to book their own appointment because otherwise they just don't show up. Yep. Um, I, I, I think that a lot of it may have to do not like with a catalyst one realizes as an adult. I think a lot might have to do with your earlier life exposure to different perspectives or different ideas or, you know, whether lifelong learning was valid. Like if you watched your parents take courses and, and travel and go to museums and stuff, I, th I think it's probably more likely you'll grow to be someone with a growth mindset. But if you saw your parents with attitudes that belong in the 1950s, then I think it's more likely that you'll kind of be influenced by by them. I, I wish I had a really good answer for how do we shake someone out of a fixed mindset. <laughs> but I, 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 I don't actually have a good answer for that. But hopefully if, if one of the listeners has made it this far in, in the episode, um, my message to you is that if you're a human being, you're not a manufactured good. Um, just like you know, a, a tree will grow um, throughout a lifetime, a human being intellectually, emotionally, you might say spiritually, um, will grow throughout a lifetime. It's weird not to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think you answered it great with the earlier life exposure. I think kind of you can continue that into adulthood. Like, you know, even with what you do, you kind of like speak life into people basically I'm like you're giving them these different thought patterns that they can kind of follow and I think exposure to that um at least to like you thinking you actually have a choice now and it's the truth yep oh, like we so yeah um we, we have the biggest brains in the animal kingdom we became the dominant species on the planet We've shaped the world, for better or for worse, we've shaped the world according to our human needs and not the needs of any other species. Yeah. Be because we're lifelong learners, because we adapt, it's what we human beings do. And a person who won't um, further their capacity to be a lifelong learner is not fully fulfilling their human capabilities. It's kind of like, like, like a racehorse who's kept in the stable. It's almost heartbreaking 
to imagine a person who's capable of lifelong learning who just decides they've learned everything they need to by the age of 20. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Well, awesome. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? Uh, Nothing I can think of. Is there anything you wanted to ask or um, anything you want me to talk about? No, I think we've kind of covered it all. I agree. Sounds good. Well, Luke, thank you so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Luke had to say, make sure to A, share this episode. B, go like share. Do you have content that you're putting out that people can share? Or is Yeah, it- I, I have a YouTube channel, um, Morpheus Hypnosis, youtube.com slash Morpheus Hypnosis. They can do free sessions. They can hear me talk for hours and hours. There's a crash course in how to hypnotize willing friends who volunteer for that kind of thing. I really am trying to fulfill my slogan, we make hypnosis make sense, that this podcast endeavor is to kind of reach a broader audience, but my YouTube channels where I post my own stuff. There we go. Go subscribe to his YouTube channel. Share that on your social media. Also, if you have any referrals for him in the Toronto area. Yep. I also see clients internationally, as you might be able to hear, I have like a decent audio setup. But one message I want to communicate is I'm happy to work with anyone who reaches out, but you don't have to feel like it's absolutely necessary to engage with a professional to be a lifelong learner or to adopt healthier attitudes. Most people change and grow and learn without ever hiring a hypnotist. And I I would say probably most people change and learn and grow without even hiring a psychotherapist or a psychologist. There is such a thing as family. There is such a thing as friends. There is such a thing as the public library. So I'm happy to work with people who contact me, but I never want to suggest that it's either that or they're stuck because the world's full of good ideas. And I do believe each person is the best judge of which ideas they should keep for themselves. There we go. Well, awesome. And as we always ask guys, sit in this podcast to one to three people you know need to hear this message. Shoot us a five-star review on iTunes and we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.